Please open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 16. This is God's Word. Proverbs 16, verse 16. We'll be reading through verse 6 of chapter 17. How much better to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord Happy is he. The wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of the lips increases learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. The person who labors, labors for himself, for his hungry mouth drives him on. An ungodly man digs up evil, and it is on his lips like a burning fire. A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best of friends. A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. He winks his eye to devise perverse things, he purses his lips and brings about evil. The silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. A lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. A wise servant will rule over a son who causes shame and will share an inheritance among the brothers. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. An evildoer gives heed to false lips. A liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. Children's children are the crown of an old man of old men, and the glory of children is their father. You may be seated. So I have a recollection of having preached through this text. I couldn't find the recording of it. So does anybody else remember me preaching through this text before? Or am I making that memory up in my head? So that's one of the things about preparing to teach through things is sometimes you feel like you've taught through them. And this has some of my favorite texts. Um, so, Mr. Courtney, were you saying you have a recollection of me? Okay, all right. So, great. So, great. So I'm imagining having preached through it is what I'm hearing. Great. Okay. So that's good. So the, uh, the text we just looked at, all right, so we took a break, we went through the doctrine of, of church officers, the continuing offices, we looked at the deacon and the elder, we looked at um, the, the general purpose of the elder's office and considered the, the idea of coming with the preaching of the word and, 
And then we also looked at um, we also looked at the diaconal office and its distinction from the elder. And we looked at the origin text in Acts six, and talked about the mercy ministry. So those are things that uh, we took some time on. And so uh, coming back to to Proverbs, uh, looking here at the Proverbs sixteen verse sixteen through. 17 verse 6 the the text here where remember we've passed the halfway point the last time we were in proverbs we kind of had just passed the turning point the halfway point through this long chunk collection to the 375 proverbs of solomon so as we continue now this chunk of text is about wise and foolish speech and i I believe the first section, verses 16 through 19, uh, those, those, those first four verses serve as an introduction about the security that we have in wisdom. So let's, let's think about those first verses. Verse 16 through 19. How much better to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. So we have wisdom and gold being contrasted. There's also the point of comparison. The point of comparison is they're both valuable. What is the contrast? The contrast is the superiority of the gold, or of the wisdom, sorry, yeah. The superiority of the wisdom. And so the superiority of the wisdom and of understanding over gold and choice silver is what? Well, wisdom in the use of gold and choice silver makes those things far more useful. But also, wisdom and understanding cannot be taken away. And wisdom and understanding are to be are things that have different effects on us than gold and silver. Wisdom and understanding give us not only rule over external things, but they give us rule over ourselves. And since wisdom is the knowledge of what is good and the means to it, wisdom is the way by which we possess God. And God is certainly greater than gold and of choice silver. And so the possession of God in the possession of wisdom is there. But let's consider the following verses as relates to the idea of the superiority of wisdom and understanding over gold and choice silver. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. So the highway of the upright, right? What happens on a highway? Well, there's fast movement, unobstructed movement. And so if there's a, well, maybe not with rush hour, but this, there were... So the highway of the upright, we have this easy path, and the easy path is away from evil. And so it's heading out away from evil. And so the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. So this idea of the highway's direction is away from evil, but also that it is a highway. There's a fast movement. There's an unobstructed movement. And this keeping of the way, the guarding of the path, is a way that preserves the soul. 
And so you think about the Lord Jesus Christ. He teaches, you know, what is it if a man possesses the whole world but loses his soul? And so whatever quantity of gold it is, if you lose the soul, then what value does it have? So the wisdom helps us to know the way we ought to go. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Okay, so pride and haughtiness, right, these sort of an angry arrogance, right, the pride and haughtiness. Pride goes before destruction and haughty spirit before a fall. Well, gold tends to encourage pride and tends to encourage haughtiness. We kind of even talk about this, right? There's, there's what do you, what do you, if you have enough money to do whatever you want, we have a label for this that uses foul language, this idea that you have money where you can tell people to go away. Right? It's less nice, right? But there's money that you could say, go away. And so the tendency for having a lot of property to encourage pride and to encourage haughtiness of the spirit. And so as this idea that wisdom encourages humility and wisdom encourages a gentle spirit, a self-controlled spirit, rather than combativeness, it encourages peaceableness. And so if you have wisdom and then you also have much property, then you can use that property in ways that is good, but there's the temptation. And without the wisdom, the property without the wisdom encourages self-destruction, encourages falling. Verse 19, better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil or plunder with the proud. You see how that closes out that introductory section comparing wisdom and gold? We have this idea of the plunder or the spoil and pride versus humility and being with those who are lowly or not particularly powerful or effective. So, humility with the humble versus wealth and victory with the proud. One of the things about spoil or plunder is that it's, it's the profit you get from winning, right? So, this isn't just money. It's money and victory. And who doesn't want victory? So, the idea that wisdom is better than gold, understanding is better than silver, we have that closing out of the section with the humble spirit helps to avoid self-destruction and being with uh, being with the lowly rather than being with the proud and having spoil. And that's one of the things there is if you're if you have resources and you're proud, it's easy to pull together other people with resources and pride. And so the tendency to be together, the, the sort of uh, the, the earlier section in chapters 15 and 16 that come right before this, there's this discussion of the idea that even if the proud were to hold hands together, right, to confederate together, they can't resist God, right? And so this this idea, we have this theme of sort of the gang of the proud. You remember that going back early on? You had the father saying, you know, look, come be a good part of the family. And then on the other side, you had the gang saying, you know, come and, and be with us and we'll have one purse, right, all that. So, so this idea of the distinction of the company you have, the proud uh, being having a tendency to join together, 
Uh, there's a fractiousness and a, a brittleness to those unions. So that's the introduction. So we move into verses 20 to 24, and here we have the wise speaker. So he who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. The wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of the lips increases learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Now, this idea here, this this section extols the greatness of wisdom and talks about the wise speaker. And so here are more reasons why wisdom is better than gold. So I said it right that time. He who heeds the word wisely will find good. Right, so when you hear the word and you heed it wisely, then you find good. <coughs> the idea that words of wisdom help you to get what is good and you see how in the context of verse 13, that, or sorry, verse 19, just above, one of the dangers of dividing the spoil or plunder with the proud is the proud are unlikely to give you words of wisdom. And so, on the other side, who you're with, if you heed the word wisely, you'll find good. Then you go, well, how can I be around people who are going to give me words of wisdom? And then there's a sort of restatement of this in a different way. Whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. So if you find good, then you're going to be happy, right? Happiness is an effect of finding what you think is good, possessing what you think is good. And so believing the word is the same as trusting the Lord. There is no difference between believing the word and trusting the Lord. And so if you trust in the Lord... You will be happy. If you heed the word wisely, you will find what is good. Trusting the Lord is finding what's good. Heeding the word, finding what's good. And that brings happiness. Gold cannot guarantee happiness, whereas wisdom does. 21. The wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of the lips increases learning. So if you have wisdom you will get a good reputation over time. You will be called prudent or wise. And so, reputation is more valuable than gold. We've heard that already. And you can use gold to try to advance your own reputation. But if you do it foolishly, you'll just undermine it. And so, without wisdom, how can you guarantee that even the use of your gold will be effective at helping to get good reputation? So, whereas wisdom used wisely brings good reputation across time, and can allow you to effectively use your money. So the wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of the lips increases learning. There's this way in which when you have wisdom, right, you want to share it with others, and wisdom encourages you to figure out not only what information to communicate, but how to say it. And so wisdom helps you to pursue the beautification of wisdom. And the beautification of wisdom helps you to give the words of learning with sweetness. And the sweetness of the lips increases learning. <coughs> and so, 
this idea of thinking about how to communicate truth well so that you can help other people to learn better also requires you to meditate on the truth to figure out how to communicate it effectively. And so the process of thinking about how to structure the words, how to structure it so as to speak, how to think about what is the way to communicate to this person at this time causes you to think on the wisdom and also about how to overcome obstacles. And so the sweetness of the lips increases learning both in the one you're speaking to and for yourself. Verse 22, understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. So earlier on, there's this idea of heeding the word wisely. You could heed the word foolishly, right? You could hear the word foolishly. And if you do that, then when you're corrected as a fool, the result is that it's something where you reject it and there's an increasing death in yourself. And you also tend to attack the other person. And that's going to result in a harm, right? The correction of fools is folly. It's a type of folly. It's wasteful and it results in harm. So understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it. The wellspring, a wellspring is, is sort of this idea of a, a well that has running water. A wellspring. And it's this, it's this moving water that comes from within. And so the idea of when you have understanding, you have living water. Lord Jesus Christ talks about this. Right? We have, when, you, when you have understanding, you have living water. You have the water of life. And so there, that points to you know, water as a symbol of life is obviously used in many places in the scriptures. But we think about the tree of life and the, the river of living water in the book of Revelation with the heavenly Jerusalem and this idea of, of the, the deepening of it as it goes out and the broadening of it. And that idea that understanding is living water from within. And so it's life. Wisdom is better than gold because gold can't buy you life. You can pay for better, better medical care, but oftentimes, in most of history, doctors were hired to find expensive ways to kill their patients, not effectively heal them. And so the understanding is an, a wellspring of life to him who has it. But the correction of fools is folly. Now, that causes you to think about, not only should the wise man think about how to say things with sweetness of the lips, but also choosing when not to speak. A part of wisdom is choosing when not to speak. And if we just go around correcting everything that we see that's wrong all the time, then the result is going to be that we're going to have perennial fighting. And so picking when to correct is a part of what we have to deal with in wisdom. Verse 23 The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. So one of the benefits of wisdom, you have happiness, you have sweetness of the lips to cause others to learn and to cause yourself to learn. You have the the life that comes from this, this constant feeding of life from self. And you also have the choice of when to correct and when not to. But also the content that is spoken, 
the heart of the wise teaches his mouth. The, the heart, from the heart, the words are given. Instruction is given to the mouth about what words should roll off. The heart of the wise adds learning to the lips of the wise. And that's why the wise in heart will be called prudent because of what they say, but also because of what they choose to do. The choice of what to do. Verse 24. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. And so now, we're, we have this, again, the idea of the sweetness. So there's the learning. And so learning in itself, when, you, when you're wise, wisdom is delightful in itself. But, again, as you become more skilled in how to speak, and you learn how to seek to correct well, how to communicate well, how to be pleasant, how to try to reduce the sting. But you can say the same thing in a very stinging way, and you can say it in a way that reduces the sting. And so the way we communicate is a part of the display of wisdom. What to say when, how to say it. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Well, honeycomb is a treat. It's a delight. It's this idea of sweetness. So pleasant words, they come out of the mouth. Who are they a honeycomb to? The receiver. Pleasant words are a honeycomb to the receiver. And so the receiver receives sweetness. And that's explained. There's sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Sweetness to whose soul? The hearer. Sweetness to the soul of the hearer. So what's the relationship there? It's not that there's a physical taste of sweetness. It's that it's pleasant to hear them. And at the same time, it brings health to the bones. It is possible to give sweetness in terms of the pleasantness of the words by flattery and falsehood. That is not hard. It is easy to tell people things they want to hear that are false. You have no concern for truth. But that will not bring health to the bones Flattery is setting a trap for your neighbor. It is seeking their destruction. What is difficult is to say words that are sweetness to the soul and yet also bring health to the inner man and give strength to the inner man. Health to the bones here. This is the idea of they bring pleasantness, but also the health of the bones. This is healing and strength. Healing and strength. So the removal of deadness, the increasing of life and the other, and the giving of strength. So what kind of things bring pleasantness and strength? So it's difficult to find things like that. You think about, you know, what's the complaint about exercise? No, it's not fun, it's boring, it's hard, it causes pain, but it brings strength to the body. Here is something that is pleasant and brings strength and healing to the inner man. Verse 25 through 30, these are six verses here for the foolish speaker now. So this further shows, this shows how the absence of wisdom is very destruction and therefore shows the value of wisdom further. Why is wisdom to be preferred over gold? Well, because when you have it, here's all this value. And when you don't have it, here are a bunch of negative things. So, 
foolish speakers. Verse 25, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. The person who labors, labors for himself, for his hungry mouth drives him on. An ungodly man, literally a man of Belial, digs up evil, and it is on his lips like a burning fire. A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best of friends. A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. He winks his eye to devise perverse things. He purses his lips and brings about evil. Now, verse 25. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. We should be careful about what we think we should do. We need to test what we think is right by Scripture. We can choose a way that seems like the path to life, but it leads to death. Right? You always do what you think is right. You always do what you think is right. You, what you think is best. Now, if you say, well, I knew this thing violated the law of God. Okay. So what happened is you thought for a minute that something mattered more than God. Right? You misvalued things. You thought, this thing, God. This thing. Right? That's the thing. When we, when we sin, we're valuing something else more than God. So there's a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death. So we, we need to be aware that there's a danger for us that we can have bad judgments, which makes it so that we need to realize that foolishness, which is the opposite of wisdom, is dangerous. Wisdom is the knowledge of the good and the means to the good. Foolishness would be a wrong view of what's good or a wrong view of how to get what's good or a wrong view of what's good and how to get it. There are many ways of falling. And so, one famous example of a, at least in words, the right view of the good, right? You'll have the Jesuits will say that they, their, their choice of what to do is always for the greater glory of God. You go, ah, greater glory of God, that sounds like the best choice. And so then, you have the famous Jesuit casuistry. Jesuits are famous for finding elaborate ways to justify anything through coming up with cases that say, here's this reason why this thing that is expressly forbidden is allowable in this case. And so, the, the Jesuits are famous for having come up with all sorts of justifications to get people to do things that were horribly evil while thinking that it was right. And so there is the famous reality that during the wars of religion over and over again, you'd have Roman Catholics making treaties with Protestants and then breaking those treaties whenever it was convenient because of the fact that they were not bound to faithfulness to heretics. The Jesuits were very famous for pushing that line of thought. The Jesuits were so good at this that they managed to get outlawed from almost every country on the earth. There was a period of time where almost every country on the planet had outlawed the Jesuits in their country. So, there is a way that seems right to a man, 
but its end is the way of death. Oh, by the way, the Pope right now is a Jesuit. So, fun fact. The Jesuits have a special oath to obey the, the Pope. So Francis has taken a special oath to obey himself. It's, it's a fun place to be. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So this danger of a wrong view of what is good and thereby going toward death. So the person who labors, labors for himself, for his hungry mouth drives him on. This relates to the previous text in that, you know, people always choose what they think is best, and they do work in order to fulfill their desires. Which work is worth doing? If you have folly, you're going to make wrong choices. It's going to lead to death. And when you make wrong choices and you pursue a goal, you're going to labor trying to pursue that goal, and it's to fulfill some desire. And the issue is, which desire are you trying to fulfill? And so, an ungodly man, verse 27, digs up evil, and it's on his lips like a burning fire. You know, I don't know about you, but I think digging is hard work. And so, the labor that you labor toward, what is it this man is working on? What is he digging up? How does he think he's going to feed himself? How does he think he's going to get something that's good, that fulfills his desire? This man digs up evil. He does the work of finding bad things that people have done and thought and said. And when this person finds the evil, he then puts it on his lips. And it's on his lips like a burning fire. It's, he can't wait to put it out. He's trying to get the evil out there. This is the labor that foolishness can lead to. And a perverse man sows strife. How does he do that? By taking the evil he's found out about others and putting it out there to be known. And that causes strife. And how does that cause strife? Well, have you ever had a close friend do something that hurt you and then you thought it was resolved, and then you find out that they do something else that is the same sort or a repetition, and the result is that that repetition brings pain. And when we're in pain, we frequently respond with anger, and the response of anger frequently results in us doing things that hurt our friends. And so this sowing of strife has the effect that a whisperer separates the best of friends. A, a, a particularly skilled person whose way is folly, they will do the work to fulfill their desire, to find evil, to put it on their lips quickly, to sow strife, and then will figure out how to effectively communicate in a whisper so that there's an inability to resolve because public conflict is different from hidden conflict. And so it's a whispering. And so the whisperer separates through this hard work, the best of friends. And so that's one of the interesting things that the Lord has done to undo that. When you look at the Matthew 18 process, the Matthew 18 process kind of reverses this. But it goes, hey, go to the appropriate party. 
hey, bring other people in. Hey, go to a very public conflict level, right? So there's this reversing. It's the opposite of sort of the, the whisper around or the whisper campaign. It, it's, it's the going directly to the parties, bringing other people in to try to make it so that this thing can't have any sort of misunderstanding, bringing it even more public to, to make it so that everything can get resolved. That's the, the reverse process as opposed to the process of destruction. So verse 29, a violent man entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. So one of the other dangers of folly as opposed to wisdom is you talk to your neighbor and you convince him to go in the way that's not good. Well, think about wisdom on the other side. Wisdom uses pleasant words to seek to get your neighbor to do what's good. It increases learning. Folly, folly entices the neighbor in a way that's not good. That's the way of death, going back to verse 25. And that's why it's violent. It's violent because it kills. Verse 30. He winks his eye to devise perverse things. But the winking here is a signal. The idea of, of signaling. And so the using of hidden signals as opposed to open discussion. He purses his lips and brings about evil. The compressing of the lips is a way of trying to hide anger. Right? I think the idea here. Um, so the pursing of the lips, the compressing of the lips, um, as a way of going, okay, I'm going to enact harm in a secretive way and seek to destroy rather than the open expression of it. So this is, this is put forward as folly. So we get to the last part of the section. We've talked about the introduction and the security of wisdom, the wise speaker, and the foolish and foolish speakers. And so we get to this last part, and here we now get to this idea of, of, of wisdom again and the glories of wisdom. Verse 31. The silver-haired head is a crown of glory if, conditional if, the silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. On the other side of this, if you have a silver-haired head and you're found in the way of wickedness, that would suggest that there is great shame there. right? You, the idea of growing in age, growing in wisdom, growing in righteousness, these things should go together and they are fitting to go together. And so silver hair is a sign of wisdom. And so when the sign is present with the reality, it's a crown of glory. Now, our culture is youth obsessed. Our culture encourages the, the dying of hair, right? Our culture in its youth obsession does not view silver hair in the way of righteousness as a crown of glory. And so that should suggest to you that there's something horribly wrong about our culture. I've talked to you about this before, but let me remind you, our culture has a youth culture as a subculture, and the youth culture is sort of the innovator of culture. It's where the new songs, the new movies, the new TV shows, the new books gain traction. 
And so the silver-haired head is not viewed as a crown of glory, but rather youth and the idea of youth are displayed as being a crown of glory. And we hide the old. And so that suggests a self-destroying death orientation because the idea of the natural way people are without any sort of input, uh, the, the way that people are from their youth without training is somehow the thing to be put on display. That when you follow your own desires, when you go the way that you think is right but actually leads to death, that idea, that that sort of pursuit of the own desire rather than the way that's been hemmed in by wisdom is the glorious way. That's a culture that's seeking to destroy itself. That is a death culture. So, the silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it's found in the way of righteousness. Verse 32, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So, the silver-haired head, to get to silver hair, you have to have lived long enough to have gained it, which means you have a tendency to have not destroyed yourself through bringing about fights, causing violence. So he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. The might relates to crown. You think about getting a crown, having rule, having power. Okay, well, the slow to anger is better than the mighty. And that is because that tends towards long life. Think of the fifth commandment. If you honor legitimate authority, that tends towards life. And if you are slow to anger, what encourages rebellion? Do people typically rebel in a sedate, non-angry way? Is there a lot of you know, times where you see people just kind of throw off authority and they do so in utter calm? Well, he is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. The ruling of the spirit, the ability to govern your own spirit, is harder than taking over a city. Taking over a city, having might, these are things that fools can do. There are many Effective soldiers who have fought for evil. The great empires of history are filled with thousands of young men with extraordinary dexterity in the use of a weapon, with great facility at ending lives, excellence at working with others to commit violence, and obeying the most wicked orders issued from the mouths of men. It requires wisdom to know which cities to take, to know which people to kill, which people to not kill. If you're slow to anger and not easily manipulated, if you rule your own spirit, you're better than the mighty and better than the one who takes a city. So the gray-haired have learned to not enter into violence lightly. If they enter into violence lightly, they would not make it to old age. Now, the circumstances that come into life are one of the great causes of anger. You look around, and the outrages that come to the soul frequently are great. 
Verse 33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. When we're mad about circumstances, who are we mad at? The dice didn't roll the way I wanted them to. Who are we mad at? Well, the decision of the dice comes from God. And so being slow to anger involves like Job when you see the lot being cast and it keeps coming up snake eyes. When you keep having destruction of property and friends and family. When you see hardship after hardship and you wonder why is this happening? Who has it come from? It has come from the Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And if you can do that and not be angry, if you can be slow to anger and to take wisdom and interpret the events knowing this comes from God, it's for my good, it's for His glory. That allows you to deal with circumstances and people and to be self-controlled, to be righteous in the midst of provocation. And so the silver-haired have gone through many fights and they've gone through many troublesome times. And in going through both, have been able to not bring themselves to self-destruction. And if they're in the way of righteous, the way of the righteous, then they've been able to see these things as coming from the Lord and to continue on. And being able to go through the vicissitudes of life, to go through the valley of tears, to be able to deal with all the pains, and to be able to have an even keel, and to be able to be steady, to show fortitude, to be able to show strength in the midst of all that trouble. It allows you to be able to glorify God and it makes it so that the prudence, the wisdom that's in your heart brings reputation for prudence. Verse 17.1 Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. You know, we look at the casting of the lot and the circumstances around us, but the way in which you can take a change of circumstance and not be thrown off by it is the realization that my attitude and the way I've kept my relationships is more important than the stuff I have. And so the dry morsel with quietness or peace as opposed to great feasting with strife. The way of wisdom causes us to pursue peace. So gold... Gold does not always lead to peace. Wisdom tends towards peace. It helps you to know how to act so that as far as it depends upon you, you're at peace with all men. It tends towards conflict resolution rather than the whisper campaign. Verse 2. Not only that, but frankly, wisdom tends towards gold, whereas gold without wisdom tends towards poverty. A wise servant will rule over a son who causes shame and will share an inheritance among the brothers. If you're wise, and you don't have position, it will get you position. If you're wise, and you don't have wealth, it will tend to get you wealth. And so, it's the thing that helps to get those resources. A wise servant, versus a son who causes shame. The wise servant will gain greater affection and position and wealth than the one who is a natural heir but brings shame. 
Verse 3, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. So we have, going back at the beginning, there's the silver and the gold compared to wisdom. Well, how do you refine silver and gold? A refining pot. How do you refine the heart? Well, the Lord tests the heart. He tests the heart with difficult circumstances, and he tests the heart also with provocations to anger by other people. And so people doing things that would destroy relationship and circumstances that are difficult, those are the things that the Lord uses to test and to refine the hearts of men. He uses the suffering as a callback to encourage us to greater wisdom. Verse 4, an evildoer gives heed to false lips. A liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. Now, if you're wise, you know that evil people go on whisper campaigns. And when you hear a bad report, you are careful about acting when the spiteful or the destructive tongue speaks. And so, an evildoer gives heed to false lips. When you, If you're the kind of person that tends to speak for harm, you're also going to generally be quick to hear things that would cause harm. Whereas the wise are careful. They try to avoid unnecessarily exposing negative things. They try to be careful when they hear negative reports. And they seek to say things that are hard to hear to the person who needs to hear it and to do it in a way that adds sweetness to it. So, when you look at the fool, the desire to bring about destructive expressions of anger versus the desire to bring about reformation and to reduce destructive expressions of anger. An evildoer gives heed to false lips. A liar listens eagerly to a destructive tongue. Now, you look back earlier at verse 27. An ungodly man, a man of Belial, digs up evil and it's on his lips like a burning fire looking for evil things to say. Belial relates to this idea of accusation and slander. And so, the evildoer both gives accusation and slander and destructive speech and hears it. The liar, who obviously gives accusation and destructive speech and slander, listens eagerly to the destructive tongue. So there's the both there. He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. Right. So here, mocking the people that are of lower position, of lower standing, of lower wealth, of lower power, of lower gifting, being happy about the harm that comes to others. Right? The 10th the commandment requires us to be content with our own station, but also to desire the good of our neighbor, to weep with those who weep, and to rejoice with those who rejoice. And so here, over here, we have the fool and the mocking of the poor and the rejoicing at the calamity of others. Those things do not tend toward life. 
and they do not tend toward long-lasting relationship. Verse 6, however, children's children are the crown of old men. Right, so silver hair is a crown of glory, and children's children are a crown of old men. And the glory of children is their father. To have relationship across generations takes a lot of investment. To be able to maintain relationship across two generations takes a ton of investment. And what the fathers do has an enormous impact on the children. And so, if you have a godly father who works and seeks to be respectable, to build wealth, to get wisdom, to have relationship, to build reputation... That is a glory for the children. And so, children, you are called to honor your fathers. You are called to honor those who are in authority over you. Because when you honor them, you are adding glory to your own glory. And fathers, you are called to have your heart turned to your children. Because it will have effects that cross generations. And it will have a weight beyond your own life, beyond the life of your children, to the children of your children. And so the investment there, wisdom helps us to know where we ought to focus. It helps us to govern our anger. He who can govern himself is better than the mighty and better than he who can take a city. The wise knows how to engage to win the heart of the child And then, to see the child win the hearts of their children. And children, if you are wise, you will seek to get the wisdom from your parents. You will seek to honor your parents. And to see them have that honor, you will see it become your own honor. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would build us up in wisdom. We ask that you would help us to age gracefully and to be those who have silver hair as a crown of glory. We ask that you would give to us great wisdom. You would help us to have our hearts turned to our children and that you would cause the hearts of the children to be turned to their fathers. We ask that you would help children to see the way in which their fathers are their glory and help fathers to see how their crown is their children and their children's children. I ask that you would give us wisdom so that we can rule our spirits, that you would help us to be slow to anger, that you would cause us to seek peace rather than strife. I ask that you would cause our children to be those who do not cause shame but cause honor, that you would help us to have wisdom in our service Father, I ask that as you test our hearts, that you would cause them to be refined. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.